Hey y'all, it's me again with another episode of The Authenticated Podcast. On this weekend's episode, I am discussing what it was like for me to date a narcissist. A lot of people do not even know that I was in a relationship with a narcissist for a very long time. That's one of the secrets to being in an abusive relationship is that no one really knows what's going on. If you like this episode, please don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review. On this week's episode, I wanted to discuss a topic that is very close to home and something that is extremely vulnerable. If I'm being brutally honest, I've actually sat down to record this episode probably 10 times. I got halfway through one recording and thought, no, let me try again. Let me try again. Long story short, um, none of those versions felt authentic enough for me to post. So this time around, I thought the best way to go about this episode is just to tell my story, to tell it in as much detail as possible and as specifically as possible, and then just highlight some key learnings for anybody that's listening that may have previously or may even currently be in a narcissistic relationship and not realizing it um, or realizing it and not really knowing how to quote unquote escape. So my story is an interesting one. To preface this, I have historically had very beautiful, very happy relationships romantically. I have dated people that were friends for a long time before we became romantic, people that I grew up with, people that I worked with. Fast forward to my narcissistic relationship. This relationship was very unexpected and was unlike any of the others that I had experienced before. So I always had girlfriends that told me these horror stories of boyfriends that they had that had one thing or another like oh he you know he yells at me oh he drinks a lot oh he never follows through on plans and I just remember one night when I was hanging out with my friends everybody complaining about something and me just sitting there going wow I think I've had a really good dating track record because I just don't have anything to complain about like I've had really healthy good relationships. I might have jinxed it (laughs) because the unhealthiest relationship I ever have had was the last one that I experienced. And it was in my 30s. So you never know when you're going to experience your first trauma in love. And, you know, being in my 30s, I didn't really anticipate much drama. I kind of assumed that trauma, drama, all of that sort of stuff happened earlier on. But I think that assumption was quite incorrect. And I feel it's relevant to tell my story because I know that there are a lot of women and men suffering and being abused physically or emotionally in narcissistic relationships. Some of them don't have the courage to speak up or leave and are frightened. And some of them are so manipulated and so used to being gaslighted that they don't know how to escape the wrath 
of the relationship that they're in. So it just feels easier to stay because it takes more energy to leave. And when you're in a narcissistic relationship, most of the time you are completely emotionally drained because it's like you're running a constant marathon and being put through constant trials, tribulations, tests. And at the end of the day, all you really want to do is go to bed and recharge because you never know what you're going to wake up to. You never know if you're going to wake up to Mr. or Mrs. Nice and Charming or if you're going to wake up to the narcissistic behaviors. So my story is interesting. It's complicated to tell because my ex and I have a lot of mutual friends And when you're dating a narcissist, the big kicker is that most people don't know that they are a narcissist. They are masters of disguise. They're very good at hiding it from their friends and family. And often you could be the singular person that knows or doesn't know that you're dating a narcissist. For people that don't know, it's more this feeling of, am I going crazy Am I going crazy? What's wrong with me? I feel like I'm trying so hard and doing all these things and being myself and it's not working. You feel drained. You feel tired. You feel confused. You feel manipulated. You feel defeated. But then there's the up where they turn on their charm and they refill the battery they just drained. They recharge you. They tell you what you want to hear. They compliment you. They charm you. So that every time they push you down, you get back up again and you feel really good and you feel very reassured that this is actually love. This is where I want to be. This is so right. And it makes it very complicated for someone who is in a emotionally or you know, actually just an emotionally abusive relationship to know what that means. When it gets physical, which I have not experienced to clarify, I'm sure it becomes a lot more apparent that that's a red flag and that's a problem. Does that automatically mean this person's a narcissist? No, they could have drinking problems. They could have personality disorders outside of narcissism. And so it's important to understand what narcissism is. There's not a lot documented on narcissism because it is such a broad personality disorder that it's very, very hard to identify. And the worst part is that someone who suffers from narcissistic tendencies does not and will not ever see that that's what they're suffering from. In fact, they do not even believe that they are suffering from anything. And so... It becomes your burden to bear. And at the end of the day, it takes courage to walk away. My relationship started very beautifully. It was a relationship that stemmed from two people being very attracted to one another for many years. I personally didn't think more of it than that's an attractive individual. I didn't think that it was going to be anything significant or special per se, but I did kind of think to myself, wow, 
I get a physical reaction whenever I see this person. And I'm historically not someone who looks at a potential partner and thinks I'm just totally overcome by the eye contact and the way this person's looking at me. But in this situation, I was. And I thought to myself, well, if I can feel that way, then that has to mean something. So we started dating and the first six months were complete magic. Everything was rainbows and lollipops. Everything. In my opinion, we both thought in the beginning of our relationship that this was it. This was the end all be all. In fact, my partner said after three months, I've never felt this way before. You're the one. All my guy friends think I'm head over heels. They've never seen me like this before. I've never seen me like this before. You're everything I, you're my dream woman. You're everything I've ever wanted. I wasn't as quick to jump to that conclusion because I did have amazing relationships prior to that. So it wasn't a new experience for me to have a very great relationship. But I did think to myself, you know, everything is going so beautifully that this could be something beautiful. And if it maintains, then there is definitely potential. To add to this, I have commitment issues or had previously. And so I used to contemplate everything in a relationship. You know, is this right? I don't know if I want to get married. I don't know if I want to have kids. And um, until my recent story, none of those questions were easily answered. At the six-month mark, I started to recognize the red flags. It was quite shocking, the extremes that I experienced. There was one time where I had come home back to Toronto as a surprise from the States and had never had a fight with my partner before. He loved and adored seeing me all of the time. And I had not known this because I came back for a surprise, but he had lost his job that morning. And when I showed up, I arrived home to someone who was sitting in a dark room with a broken arm marathoning South Park in the dark and I walked in the door and he said nothing and I'm a very bubbly person so I was like surprise I'm here and the response that I got was very dark to say the least very aggressive very leave basically leave and I thought to myself okay this is this is quite aggressive. Like you losing your job isn't about me, but I understand it's probably a rough day. Little bit of a weird reaction because I thought to myself, if anybody lost their job, if I lost my job and I hadn't seen my partner in months and they came home and, and I'm that in love with them, you know, I mentioned that I'm a bit down because I lost my job, but I show them love. I show them respect. Me losing my job has nothing to do with them. Do you know what I mean? So it was definitely a red flag, this weird, unusual reaction that then the next day became tons of backpedaling, tons of emotional manipulation. Um, I was hurt at the reaction and then my hurt was not received well 
and suddenly it became my problem that my partner reacted that way and all of the blame was put on me. Therefore, I found myself apologizing for his reaction to my surprise. Emotional manipulation, number one. Very dominant characteristic of someone that you're dating that has narcissism. I remember, give or take, three months after that, I started to see the insecurities in my partner really show. These social insecurities, this desire to be perceived as perfect, well put together, nothing's wrong with my life. And I started to feel like a pawn in this made up fantasy life that my partner had created for himself that was completely opposite of what was his reality. So around his friends, he was the dude, the guy, the bro. Never talked about anything that was going on behind closed doors. Always censored how I would act so that I wasn't outshining him or being funnier than him but more so so that I was playing into his ego and playing into his needs and insecurities by being his safety net and his blanket of love so that everyone could see this love and chemistry we were projecting between each other. And I just remember there was this moment where I knew I was being puppeteered and I thought to myself, me? I'm the last person that someone can puppeteer. I'm loud. I'm bold. I'm proud. I'm strong. I'm independent. I'm outspoken. And I'm brave. But I'm doing this anyway. And what ends up happening is you end up in this tunnel vision of what you perceive to be love. And you act accordingly. I almost felt like I became a dog on a leash and I was just walking to where my owner wanted me to go, sitting when he wanted me to sit and acting the way he wanted me to act. And when I took a step outside of that and remembered who I was and had moments of just being authentically myself, that is when the narcissist came out. That is when the rage came out. That is when I was emotionally manipulated and emotionally abused. I remember one time being in Ottawa, visiting his friends, and all of his friends in Ottawa really liked me. They thought I was really funny. They thought I was very SNL. You know, I had my little skits that I would do. And, you know, I'm an anxious person, so I get verbal diarrhea in big groups, and I just get a little bit more extra than normal. And I remember sitting around this table with probably 14 of his friends. He was across from me and everybody was along this round table at a restaurant. And I was on that night. I was like the comedian that went on stage and sold out the show and earned her money. I don't always have those nights, but when I am on, I'm very on. And I remember being at this restaurant Even I thought I was funny. (laughs) And the only person at the table that wasn't laughing super hard was my partner. 
who was actually sitting across from me, giving me a death stare. Everybody else was laughing. He was not. And I knew what that meant. I knew that meant that I was in trouble. I knew that that meant this is not the rule. You do not outshine me. You will not be funnier than me in front of my friends. You think that chirping me makes me feel like a man? You think that belittling me makes me feel good about myself? Try again. And I didn't hear the end of that for probably a week. How I thought I was funny, but I wasn't. And in my head, I was thinking, well, that's weird because every other person was laughing and telling me how hilarious I was. So if they didn't find me funny, they wouldn't bother. We don't know each other that well. You're the only one that doesn't find me funny. And heaven forbid you argue with the narcissist. What narcissists do is they target empaths. They target people who fill their cup for them because they emotionally can't do it for themselves. They act like succubuses and they breathe the life air out of you until they suck you dry. Sometimes in narcissistic relationships, they throw you away when they have nothing left to suck out of you. And sometimes, like in my relationship, I am such a full of personality person and I'm so steadfast in believing and being who I am that I never let my partner get to a point that he had the power to suck everything out of me. He had days where he won that power, but overall I knew better. And the thing that my partner didn't realize is that he actually chose the wrong empath. He chose someone who is very aware. He chose someone who took psychology in school. He chose someone who as a passion studies people's minds and has a high intuition for people. He chose someone who does recruitment for a living and reads and studies people's energy and their words. And he chose the wrong girl to mess with because yes, I'm sensitive and yes, I'm an empath, but I am just as smart about people as I am an empath. And what ended up happening was after numerous accounts, I would say following the sixth month of my relationship, I started seeing all these red flags. And then by the year and a half mark, it was very apparent that there was something wrong. And then I promise you for the next year and a half, it was torture, but I stayed anyway. I knew something was wrong, but I couldn't put my finger on it. And because the good moments were so good, I held on to those as hope. Looking back, I think probably what was going on in my mind was the consideration of my age. The fact that we had put so much time into it together. The fact that we lived together. The fact that we had a dog together. And the fact that we were still so drawn to each other physically and also the fact that on the good days it was so good that I couldn't imagine abandoning someone 
in their time of need. I am also someone, as mentioned, that took psychology in school and I'm an empath. And this is why narcissists target empaths because we will stay until we cannot stay anymore. We are so empathetic. We want to be healers. We become Mr. or Mrs. Fix-It for our partner. We don't want to abandon them, so we stay until we cannot stay anymore. I think it's important for me to not dive into too many details about the specifics of those bad moments, but I will say that my partner couldn't keep down a job. He lost three jobs in three years, one job a year. Every job lost was his boss's fault. Every email that was written from his coworkers, from his boss, was them giving him attitude and they had a problem and they didn't know how to communicate. Would he tell them that directly? No. Would I find out? Yes. To give you an example, there was a holiday on a Friday. COVID was just beginning. And at the time, I didn't feel comfortable not really understanding what COVID was. Having someone around our house when the government at the time was being very strict about policies and saying no one should see each other. And my partner said, I'm going to see somebody anyway. Now, I thought to myself, this shouldn't be a problem. I'm just going to express that I don't feel comfortable with that. Maybe we can find a happy medium. Maybe you can go to their house. Maybe you can isolate yourself in the backyard. I don't know much about this COVID thing. It's very new. So I feel like it's at the best interest of both of us that perhaps we consider a happy medium. That was met with silence, him disappearing, And coming back down an hour later, opening the door very angrily and asking me why I ruined his holiday. To which I replied, no one's ruining anyone's holiday. I said, you can find a happy medium. You can go in the backyard. You can go to his house. To which that was met with, you know what? You just ruined my whole day. Thank you for ruining my whole day. I don't have a job. Forget it you know what? This is just what you do, I guess. You always get your way. To him then getting drunk, ignoring me, dancing in the kitchen, making my favorite soup, not talking to me all day, waking up the next day, expecting me to act normal and offering me the soup that he made the night before. To which I said, I'm actually okay. I'm not hungry for soup. To which then I received that exact same hostility about not eating his soup. You can imagine how exhausting the spiral of this would be given that every day this would happen in small moments. Every job lost was my fault. Every plan not followed through with was my fault. Every conversation was my fault. Every lecture about his heavy drinking and me wanting him to be a better person was my fault. Every one of his friends that didn't understand our full story, that judged me because of it, was my fault. Every one of his family members who didn't understand that he was battling narcissism and he put the blame on me 
and then they didn't like me because of the false stories being told. That was my fault. One morning last year, I remember waking up. I was in my basement where I decided to start sleeping because I no longer wanted to be around my partner. I didn't want to be around his energy. I became uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. I'm not someone who gets scared easily, but I was just so exhausted by keeping up with his explosions and his blackout rages and his up and down inconsistent personality and his intensity and his lost jobs and his alcoholism and heavy drinking that I decided it's best I just keep to myself at this point. I need my time with my thoughts and being around someone who suffocates me 24-7 isn't helping my cause. And trust me, in keeping to myself, I also got lectured for quote-unquote isolating myself and not giving him the attention that he needs. I did it anyway. And I picked up a book one day and I started reading. And I started to have these aha moments about myself. Then I picked up another book and I started reading. And this is when books became my best friend. At a time when I was at my lowest and loneliest and the most confused, broken down and manipulated without friends to have around because of isolation, I was alone with my books. These books changed my life. I remember the moment I had my spiritual awakening when I was sitting down with one of my books and I read this sentence and something within me clicked and I was no longer the same woman I was two minutes earlier. I can't explain my awakening. It is so hard for me to even wrap my head around what clicked within me but it was very fresh and I didn't understand the weight of what that feeling was at the time I just knew I was changed and changed for the better I was now willing to look behind that veil that is put on us in society that veil that disguises what is going on that veil what's behind the veil Suddenly, I needed to know everything. And I had to start knowing everything by leaving my abusive relationship. It took me four weeks to build up the courage to leave. I packed a suitcase. I remember I messaged my friend Alexandra. If you're listening, Alexandra, I love you. Thank you for saving me last year. And... She said, honey, you can come over whenever you want. She had recently fallen in love with her person and they had congregated households with their kids. And ironically, serendipitously and universally, her place was empty. And she said, it's all yours. She set it up for me. She let me eat what was in her house. She let me sleep in her bed. She let me watch her TV. And it was like the universe was saying, this is your safety net. 
go here and you'll find the answers. And at this point, I was just listening to the voices and taking the steps I needed to. I stayed at Alexandra's house. She visited me periodically. She checked in. She had also previously been in an abusive relationship. She understood what I was experiencing and she knew how to empathize with me. When I left my relationship, it wasn't definitive. At this point, I was so broken down, so exhausted that I couldn't think. And my partner was still seemingly obsessed with me and didn't want to let me go. And I said, since he didn't have a job, COVID was happening and I still wasn't sure. I just knew I was right but I didn't know how to be right. I said, let's take the next four weeks to be by ourselves and see how we feel at the end of it. I knew at the end of that four weeks, I would still say, I'm not coming back. But I needed him to know that I was giving us time so that he didn't have outbursts with me about being so definitive about abandoning him. I took those four weeks to cry, to shake, to rediscover who I am, to look in the mirror and recognize my reflection, to laugh, to exercise, to eat well, to talk to my friends that I hadn't talked to in a while. To learn about myself and to sit in absolute silence and read. I was alone for four weeks outside of Alex's visits. In a new pandemic. With a narcissist waiting for me at our home where I still had everything. I lived at my friend's house with three shirts, three pairs of pants a couple pairs of underwear, and two pairs of shoes for half of the summer. That was my rock bottom. I had never experienced a rock bottom before in my life. To that point, I was always really fulfilled in my life. I hadn't experienced challenges. I hadn't experienced abuse. I hadn't experienced dramatic lows. And it was time for me to learn what that felt like. It was time for the universe to teach me a lesson. They say that our lowest points become our defining moments. They say that our lowest points become our purpose. I needed to have that. To say that I found myself in that four weeks would be an absolute lie. However, I needed that four weeks to cry, to purge, to feel the aching in my body and to let it release the year and a half of pent up stress and anxiety that I felt going into my every morning living with my partner, not knowing how he was going to act. I needed to release that tension. Four weeks after being alone, I messaged my partner and I said, I don't want this anymore. I'm leaving you. I know you're not working. So I will give you our house 
for two months. You're getting paid from the government. I have money. I will still pay rent. You live there by yourself and I'll take care of me. I didn't give him a choice. I didn't show him where I was or tell him where I was so that he would show up. I said I would pick up my items with my family at the end of the period of time that we were set to move out. I will move out after you move out. You do what you need. What is he going to say or do? He can't do anything. He doesn't know where I am. He doesn't have any power. And it's not a choice. I'm leaving. He stayed at our shared house that summer with all of my items. And we had small communication here and there because he was still reeling from the fact that I was leaving and had weak moments. I ended up driving for two days with just my suitcase to my parents' house in the east coast of Canada in the middle of a pandemic alone with my dog that is now just my dog and I felt very alone. I felt brave but I felt very alone. I had no friends that knew my story They all thought he was great. They didn't know anything that was going on. And as an empath, I didn't want to throw him under the bus because I thought they liked him. I didn't want to tell my parents too much because I knew they liked him and I still didn't feel like it was anyone's business but mine. And I thought that taking on the world was the brave thing to do alone. My advice to anybody going through any kind of abusive, narcissistic, physical, unhappy relationship is to not do that alone. Do not do it alone. Because when you start telling your friends and you start telling your family, you realize that they were just going along for the ride too. I found out that my friends that I thought liked my partner were like, actually, we could kind of tell there was something not right about him. My friends that I thought loved my ex said, we didn't really like him that much. We saw the red flags. We were just being respectful of you and your happiness. Therefore, we didn't address that with you because we thought you were happy. You didn't tell us that you weren't. You didn't confide in us you just were and we were respecting that I didn't need to be by myself through that I will say the benefit to stubbornly going through that alone was that I was truly able to be alone with my thoughts and to hit rock bottom and to learn the power of self-identity and realization and to fall into my awakening And I spent eight weeks at my parents' house out east, and it was so needed. I was by the water. I had a couple friends out there that I had met the year before and decided to really nurture those friendships while I was out there. These people are a huge part to a defining moment in my life, and I will never, ever forget how there for me they were. And now they are some of my best friends. I started this podcast. I knew I needed to. 
I knew I had a voice and I hadn't been able to use it for over three years. I was suffocating to speak and unable to talk. And finally, I had my words back. Finally, I had my freedom. And finally, because I listened to the call of the universe, I had my awakening. I didn't ignore those voices anymore that were screaming at me when I was living with my ex. Screaming at me in the middle of the night, waking me up saying, this isn't right. Leave. Leave, Brittany. It's not safe. Leave. I didn't know what that meant when I was at my house. I didn't know what that anxious feeling was. I didn't know what that deep aching pain in my body was telling me. That debilitating, uncomfortable feeling of lack of identity, lost sense of interest, lost sense of energy. I had lost myself in my relationship and the universe gave me an awakening so that not only would I bounce back but I would bounce back as a new and woke version of myself no longer the girl from before my relationship but a newly reborn version of myself and this version is untouchable This version will never, ever put herself in a situation like that again. The awareness that I have right now is indescribable. My awareness across the board, not even just in respect to abusive relationships or people, but in respect to life, the law of attraction, having gratitude, having affirmations, practicing journaling, meditation, appreciation, understanding that living in your past is depression and worrying about your future is anxiety. But mastering living in the now is life. Without my narcissistic relationship, I would have never had my awakening. Without my awakening... I would have never made this podcast. Without this podcast, I would have never been able to help anybody else that is struggling in these types of situations. And for that, I am extremely grateful. What I'd love to do is just highlight some indicators, some key points that are important to note about narcissism so that if any of this sounds relatable, Please look into it more. Please learn about it more because you deserve better than the situation that you're in. You deserve freedom. You deserve to be yourself again. And there is nothing worse than breaking up with yourself. Trust me, it is scary. Trust me, it takes courage. But the best things in my life came to me When I freed myself from sorrow, when I freed myself from pain, and when I freed myself from the abusive entrapment of a narcissist. 
Narcissists are extremely insecure and they are extremely fearful. This fear often stems from not actually measuring up. So they act from a place of insecurity. They put on this facade to the universe that this is who I am. Everything you're seeing is great. It's all accurate. When in reality, none of it translates. None of it is real. It's just this imaginary life they build so that they can keep that energy that's familiar and safe around them, like their family, like their friends. And the only one that often knows the realities that are occurring is the one who is being abused. Even the narcissist themselves convince themselves that this reality they've created is actually real. When the abusee, in this example, myself, doesn't behave on script or as expected, the narcissist becomes very unsettled and instantaneously demanding. As an example, like I said, when I was really hilarious that night in Ottawa, I wasn't behaving according to script. Therefore, I received the wrath and abuse of what that resulted in for my abuser. How my shine dulled his sparkle that he thought he had. And therefore, I automatically was at fault for ruining his night because I had a good one. You're basically a character in their internal play. They often blame and deflect and never take responsibility for results unless it's the desired result. They place the blame on you to manipulate the facade that they have, as mentioned, of perfection. With a narcissist, you can't explain through logic. Narcissists only are aware of their own feelings and they make decisions solely on how they feel. I remember one night, my grandmother, who is now passed, had a stroke. And I said I was going to visit her in the hospital. And his response to that was, what time are you coming back? Will you make the party tonight? And I thought to myself, what an odd question to ask someone who just found out their grandmother had a stroke and she could potentially pass away. Didn't really think the priority was going to a party that night. Uh, To me, it was an irrational thought process. And then I got the gears for the fact that my partner's friend was coming over and I was going to ruin the night if I didn't show up to this party that everybody expected to see me at. Versus just explaining that, hey, my girlfriend's grandmother had a stroke. She's not going to be here and having everybody react normally to that as they would. Of course she's not going to be here. Her grandmother had a stroke. When I got back to my house, he and his friend were drunk. And I was getting berated for not coming because I was absolutely exhausted emotionally from the day I had to wrap my thoughts around what had occurred, the fact that I saw her, I was emotionally drained. And that next day was torture for me 
because I did not go to that party. Therefore, I didn't meet that expectation and desired result. My partner and narcissist have a gripping fear of being found out. The them behind their facade. So what they do is they belittle their partner to convince their partner that they are lower than the narcissist themselves. As I felt worse and worse, my partner felt better and better. So it was this dance of she can't be too happy because when she's happy, I feel like garbage. So I have to find a way for her to not feel happy right now. So I'm going to make her feel even worse about her grandmother that could die by making her feel like the entire night is ruined, that she didn't come, and it is her fault that everyone's disappointed. And then I'm going to tell her everybody is disappointed and that nobody likes her because she didn't come. But in reality, nobody said that, but she doesn't know that. And she's an empath. So she's going to care that people don't like her. So that's going to affect her and she's going to feel bad and I'm going to feel good. Then I'm going to make her feel better because she feels bad and that makes me her hero. I was living in misery for his happiness. It was very much a dance of him thinking, how can I get what I want but keep this person from leaving? There was this constant intense need to be perfect, well thought of, and in complete control. But below that facade is a different person, someone who's selfish, self-centered, calculating, manipulative, while presenting this perfect image to the world. And only when you get close to a narcissist do you see he's frequently angry, hostile, demeaning, and defensive. They need someone like me, someone who's an empath or sensitive or kind because we give in to their demands and need and their need for self-centeredness. We are their relationship supply for that endless need of attention, the providers and the scapegoat for their blame. This is what we call the dynamic between the caretaker and the narcissist. In this case, I, the empath, am the caretaker and my partner is the narcissist. And caretakers give up their needs for the narcissist's needs. I encourage anybody listening to this episode that feels a bit of a tinge of relatability to look up the word gaslighting and understand if that's happening to you. Because the number one relatable word in my narcissistic relationship and in any narcissistic relationship is gaslighting. It's this constant manipulation and ability to make the victim slash empath slash sensitive partner feel like they did something wrong and a constant ability on the narcissist side to manipulate any story words, or actions so that at the end of the argument or situation, the victim is apologizing for the narcissist's fault. A couple key points that I just want to quickly 
review, some red flags, some, ooh, this doesn't seem right. Follow that feeling. Follow your gut. If there are inconsistency in your partner's personality, think on it. Are they charming and loving at first and then hateful and demeaning? Do they tell you one thing and then do another? And when you confront them with those discrepancies, do they blame you? Is your partner constantly experiencing emotional highs and then emotional lows? Are they drinking excessively and incapable of holding down a job? Did your relationship start with you being adored and understood, ecstatic and magical, but then gradually evolved to being controlled, selfish, angry, blaming, and self-justifying? Have you ever started to wonder what's wrong with you and give in to keep the peace? Is your partner self-centered? And when you get the attention more than your partner, they shut you down? And when you're down, are they the first person to pick you up? The longer you're in your relationship, do you feel more drained, more anxious, and less safe? Then stop buying into this narcissist behaviors. Trust me, they cannot be fixed, cured. The only cure for narcissism is courage. You need to walk away. That's how you make a better life for yourself. On the plus side, I want to highlight what being in rock bottom and being in my first unhealthy relationship has done for me. I no longer recognize the girl I was just over a year ago. I was a deflated version of myself. I had never experienced being small as I was always larger than life. But when you spend so many years giving up parts of yourself for somebody else because you think that sacrifice is love, you lose your love for yourself. And in loving my partner, I lost myself. But in leaving my partner, I found my awakened self. When I found my awakened self, I started to discover my purpose. I learned how to meditate. I learned how to be grateful. I learned how to manifest. I started having hobbies again, like this podcast. I started coming out of my shell again. I was like a baby relearning how to walk and talk and act as myself. But not only as my new empowered self, but as my newly awakened, unrecognizable, empowered self. Now I was looking through a new set of glasses with a new pair of eyes, seeing things I never saw before, feeling life in a way I never connected to it before, hearing the wind blow between the trees, feeling the soil in my feet, embracing the beauty of life and interconnectedness to nature.
understanding that I was a spiritual being. Understanding that the answers and the light has always and will always be within me. This was the first opportunity I had to be by myself and to get to know who she was. And it was the hardest year of my life and the most defining, courageous, and proud year of my life. To dive into that would be a whole nother episode that I would be happy to record at a later date because I have a lot to say. But at the other end of pain, there's a rainbow. The most beautiful rainbow with a pot of gold waiting at the end of it. And that pot of gold for me has been a new community of beautiful friends. A new understanding that all I need in life is myself and self-love. And if I have that, I will always be abundant. But because I let go of expectations and I let go of looking for love outside of just finding it in myself, that was when my true love came to me. That was when the person I didn't know I was looking for for my whole life appeared. The universe put me through all of this trauma so that I could let go, suffer, find myself and go through all of the growing pains I needed to so that I was primed and ready for my partner in life. That partner is not only myself, but the love of my life that I'm with right now and the healthiest, most beautiful, most abundant, most partnership relationship I've ever had in my life. I have no words to describe my love for my partner. I have never been in love like this before. And I didn't know what true love was until it slapped me in the face. And ironically, they say that you meet your soulmate once in your life before you end up together. And we actually went on our first date 16 years ago. He's a very well-known and talented singer and guitarist. And I remember when we first saw each other, I was 18, he was 19, and it was magnetic. He was on stage under spotlight. I thought it was because he was on stage under spotlight, but he knew. He knew 16 years ago that I was different. Even after three dates that were magical and this amazing, undeniable chemistry, he knew and he moved on when I ghosted because I was a young girl and didn't really know what I wanted. He knew that I was always different and told me, even though his life went on, he always knew in the back of his mind. And it's so weird because we look back at our life now of 16 years apart and every year we messaged each other 
to keep in touch, but really the universe was just like, it's not time yet. And when it was time was when we both had let go of looking. We both had hit rock bottom. We both had found ourselves. We were both spiritually awoken. We had both become completely different people. And we were both completely aligned with each other. And now we can both have the most beautiful and deserving love we have ever experienced in our lives. I hope you love this episode. This was easier than I thought. (laughs) If you like this episode, please don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review. And have a fantastic day.